I know that for many of you, you've not uh, met me or never seen me, and you were excited when I walked up because you thought I was T.D. Jakes, but I am not. Ah, <laughs> uh, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Somebody give him some glory all over the building. I'm another heavy set African American preacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> this church is unbelievable. Uh, you're you're uh, just awesome. I'm very grateful to be here. But because we don't know each other, I need to tell you a little bit about me so that you can just connect with me over the next few minutes that we're together. Uh, we are living in a very cynical time, a time that is very averse to people of faith particularly the Christian faith. We have been under attack worldwide in the last year like never before. And particularly in this culture and in our country, in this society, now more than ever, what we believe is not welcomed and is now all of a sudden controversial. But I have decided that I am no longer interested in apologizing for my beliefs. I got one brother here, anybody else? tired of apologizing for being a Christian. Let me go ahead and shout it out loud at the 1045. I am a Christian. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. I believe he was born of a virgin named Mary. I further believe that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe he went to the cross for my sins. I believe he loved me enough to die for me, but he loved me so much that he couldn't stay dead. So he rose up three days later with all power in heaven and in earth and now he's seated at the right hand of the father and I also believe that he's coming back again just as the scripture has said that he will crack the sky at the last trump sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and those that remain will be caught up to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord this And I believe this Bible is the inerrant word of God. I don't believe that it's just a bunch of stories. I believe that Jesus is as real today as he was in Jerusalem. The world wants you to be silent about your faith, wants to mute your passion. They want you to stream your passion towards carnal things and things of entertainment and we shout for our favorite teams and we shout for our favorite movies but I have determined I will not shout louder for a team that doesn't know me than the God who saved me. So this morning I want to talk to you from a subject that you've already been living. I came out to this service with my boy because I wanted him to encounter worship. I wanted him to get in an atmosphere of worship. Looking at this church, I can see why the devil is so offended by Gateway. 
because I see black next to white, next to Indian, next to African, next to Hispanic, next to Mexican, next to all the other cultures that are represented across all the campuses. And apparently the only color that matters in here is red and that's the blood of Jesus. Glory! And so I'm a little bit emotional because I never had an opportunity to worship standing next to my father. I'm a product of a divorced home, but I had a mother that kept me in church. She was the church pianist, and I was directing the choir at my church at seven years old. <laughs> and I went to a black church. So I wish there was a gateway in my city because y'all in and out in an hour. This is the Holy Ghost. Black church, we be there for three days. Can I please go, please? Can I please, Jesus, please? <laughs> I'm telling the truth. All the black people in here will tell you they ain't lying. God is doing something significant in the kingdom, breaking down barriers breaking past walls, breaking past denomination, breaking past preconceived ideologies, breaking past our fear to bring us together in the body of Christ in unity. For the Bible says, where there is unity, the Lord commands the blessing. And so your church is critical to what God is doing in the earth. And the worship this morning invigorated me and reignited my passion and restored my commitment that for this gospel I will live and if necessary I will give my life because he is worthy of whatever strength I have left until he returns or until my heart stops beating. I will serve the Lord. How many people know that your worship this morning was not cosmetic? In fact, it was the second part of a holy transaction acknowledging our eternal king. And in response to our acknowledgement of our king, we lifted our voices or we lifted our hands and we engaged in a mathematical equation of supernatural proportions. For your worship is not simply the sound you make, but it is the life you live. But for those who may not know and say worship was great, it was a great time of singing. I want you to know that your worship can do more than just make you feel good. Worship can do more than make you feel closer to God. In fact, worship in the hands of a believer can be a weapon against the attack of the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. Well, this 1045, boy, y'all don't mess around. I feel the presence of the Lord in here. And I did at 9.30, and I did at 4 and 5.45 yesterday. This church is just awesome. But I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to Mark chapter 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Because I want to let you know, because some of you might say, hey, I don't, I don't sing very well, or I'm not, uh, I'm, not the, you know, I'm not a demonstrative worshiper. That's okay. If you, can, if you can just acknowledge God in the middle of your circumstance, things can change. You know, sometimes people think you have to be a certain thing in order to worship God. But guess what? That's my son. I'm sorry. Be good, boy. I can't spank you no more. There's too much stuff going on on TV, but I'm in the suburbs. I'm going to give you a timeout. 
Honey, I was getting knocked out. Pray for me. <laughs> Where was I? Worship. Sometimes we feel like we have to do or be a certain thing in order to be received by God. I heard Pastor Bobby say in the last service something, it really blessed me. He said, sometimes uh, when you're walking in relationship and you want to get right with God, you feel like you've got to start moving in the area of works, like you have to do something to please God. But how many people know that your worship, you can worship right where you are? Maybe you're a visitor today and you're saying, well, I didn't know about communion and I don't feel like I'm worthy. I've done a lot of bad things. Guess what? Welcome to the club. Just because you don't see our life on the big screen doesn't mean that we're perfect. In fact, all of us have something we don't want people to know. If they started playing the movie of our lives, we'd be trying to turn off every piece of electrical equipment in this church. Turn that off. Turn it off, to please. I want you to know, for the people that feel like I'm right on the edge, I came in with a smile, but my heart is breaking. I'm here, but I'm struggling with some areas of identity, searching for purpose, trying to find destiny. Maybe there's some tension in your marriage. Perhaps there's some things that are going on in the family dynamic. Your children are not doing what you need them to do, and you need a breakthrough from God. Perhaps you're seeking employment, or perhaps you're unhappy or unfulfilled in a key area of your life. May I offer to you that your worship could do for you what your worry could never do. Strange scripture, you're in Mark 5. I'm just going to reference John chapter 4. Jesus speaking to a woman and he says to her, Woman, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship. For God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. I learned from a noted pastor in South Lake, Texas, that God is omniscient. He knows everything and he knows it at the same time. Nothing has ever occurred to God. I heard Pastor Robert say that and it has stayed with me ever since. So isn't it a strange scripture that the Father is seeking anything? How can a God that knows everything, has everything, made everything, how is it that that God is looking for anything? But he's seeking worshipers. And you may say, but there are churches open all over the world, <laughs> plenty of crowds. Well, what if a crowd doesn't equal worship? Maybe God is looking for something a little more intimate, a little more exclusive, a little more passionate, a little more desperate. What if I offered that your whole life could change with one last worship? That's my title today, One Last Worship. Mark chapter 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones when he saw Jesus from afar he ran and worshiped him 
And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains, and the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. Watch this, y'all. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Skipping the 14th verse, going to the 15th verse. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. I want to talk to you about the power of one last worship. Here in Mark 5, we see Jesus encountering what uh, biblical scholars call the demoniac. I would just call him a maniac. He lived in a cemetery, lived amongst the tombs. When people came to see him, they didn't come to check on him. They only came to make sure the chains were still secure. But if you travel back into Mark chapter 4 and the end of Mark chapter 3, you see that Jesus' public ministry had just been launched. He had just chosen 12 disciples whom he would make apostles who would start the church. And so this was the beginning of his earthly ministry. And in the fourth chapter of Mark, Jesus is teaching the multitudes on the edge of the sea. And he's standing on the shore, but the crowd becomes so numerous and so passionate that he has to get on the boat and begin preaching from the boat because he could no longer stand on shore. So he's preaching from the boat. Now, he didn't have to stay in the boat. He could have stepped out of the boat and preached while standing standing on the water, but then he would have had to stop preaching to heal the people who would have died of a heart attack. So he stayed in the boat as he preached, and more and more people showed up, and the crowd was so thick, and the anticipation high, and Jesus preached his heart out, and he taught the words of his father, and the disciples newly minted as the go-to men to hang with Jesus were watching this entire transaction no doubt excited about the direction that their lives had just gone in. But Jesus had a surprise. When he finished preaching to thousands, he says to the disciples, this was nice. Fellas, let's get in the boat. Let's cross over and go to the other side. Now, if I'm Jesus, I'm good after preaching to thousands. Hey, that was great. High five to all the 12. But sometimes there's something missing in the crowd. Something that the father is searching for that the crowd can't provide. And so after preaching to the masses, Jesus said, we got one more stop. Now, I need you to kind of go into the minds of the disciples. Right now, Jesus is in the bottom of the boat asleep on the pillow. 
The disciples are probably talking amongst themselves, feeling real good because they, out of all the people who had been following Jesus, got chosen. So they were probably feeling real good, a little pride. You know how to sneak in when you get blessed. It's like, ha-ha, I'm an apostle. Ha-ha-ha. Did he call you? Nope. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah, this was great. And I'm sure Peter, because you know Peter was the one always talking, he probably started the whole conversation. Yo, James and John, did y'all see that crowd? Yeah, man, that crowd sure was something. Man, this going to be like this everywhere we go. We done made it to the big time. We're moving on up to the east side. Man, we made it. Man, this is great. We got thousands of people, man. We're going to be famous. Man, you saw all of them folk. Probably we going to the other side. It's going to be about 20,000, maybe 30,000 people. What you think, Thomas? I doubt it. <laughs> you always doubting something. Be quiet. So in the minds of the disciples, this is their first encounter after being chosen And Jesus wanted to teach them a lesson about his true nature, that Jesus was never committed to the crowd. He loves the crowd. He'll preach to the crowd. But he's searching for a one-on-one encounter. And so, as the boat is heading to the region of the Gadarenes, here comes the storm. And you know how the disciples are. They're still new. So the storm hits. They start screaming like girls. Ah! we gonna die somebody help us somebody go get Jesus Jesus wake up man we about to die we drown and do something oh help me and so you know I've watched the movie so I know Jesus has a British accent and so sometimes we think Jesus is real dramatic like the movies like he got up and the edge of the boat with his hair and said, oh, thou foul wind and filthy rain, why dost thou dishonor me? Forthwith I declare for you to cease, foul wind and halt, filthy rain, for I am the king of kings. I think the actual was a little less dramatic. I think Jesus was still asleep, walked to the edge of the boat, peace be still. Because real power can whisper. Jesus was like, what y'all was scared of? Stop acting like you don't have any faith. I'm going back to bed. Told you what nothing gonna happen. <laughs> so now the storm has stopped and they're heading towards the shore. They're excited because they're about to see a big old crowd. Amen. We almost there. Y'all see anybody? Nah, man, I don't see nobody. I don't. Did Jesus give us the right coordinates? I don't know. He was tired. You know, I don't know. Maybe he made a mistake. I don't see. Do y'all see anybody? Nope. And then all of a sudden, the closer they get, all they see, hey man, do y'all see somebody up on the hill? They see one guy 
doing this. I don't want to go outside. I've got a puppy in my pocket. I want mayonnaise on my sandwich. I don't want to be a dirty birdie. <laughs> they can hear you. Shh. No, they can't. Yes, they can. <laughs> they were probably on the boat talking about, turn the boat around. He's crazy. He going to kill us. Turn the boat around. Now, that's not in your version, that's in the NIV. That's the Negro International Version. You can find that in the lobby at my product table. Here's a man that was so broken that literally all he knew was bondage. It says night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Have you ever been in the mountains and the tombs? One day you're at the highest of the high, the next day you're at the lowest of the low. You ever been one place? God, I love you. God, I bless you. The next day, nobody loves me. There's no way he can forgive me. Next day, God, you are worthy. I'm so grateful for a new lease on life. Next day, I'm still in bondage. There's no way for me to get free. There are times when you have a heart for God and a desire for more, but the reality of your situation continues to call out to you, unworthy. You'll never get free. This is all that will ever be in your life. Just forget it. Everybody in your family has struggled with this and there's no way for you to get free. The Bible says this man would cry out and cut himself with stones. The word stone there in the Greek would translate in the Hebrew tablet or law. This man would cut himself with the law because the law only reminds you that you're not worthy. The law reminds you that you can't do it on your own. The law frustrates you telling you you're not able, you don't have the strength and this man was stuck in a tomb of the law, stuck amongst the relics of his broken dreams, stuck amongst the tombstones of the things that he could never accomplish. But the law must bow when grace arrives. And so Jesus comes in the form of grace. And this man who had been stuck in the mountains and in the tombs sees Jesus from afar, and he begins to walk gingerly. Isn't that what it says? He ran. He didn't walk. He didn't skip. He didn't think about it. He ran. And what did he do? He worshiped. Now, the next thing after he worships is we hear the voice of 2,000 demons saying, ah, what am I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? <laughs> So people say, man, that's a shame. No, 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 you missed it. Because we know that demons can acknowledge who Jesus is, but they can't worship him for who he is. Only we can worship. Angels can acknowledge. They, they're different from us. They, they worship based on fact. They see him. I worship based on faith. I believe him. My worship counts differently than the angels. This man 
caught up in bondage. Everyone else had given up, but he ran and fell at the feet of a man he didn't know. Nobody told him. Jesus had just proclaimed public ministry. Nobody sent him a text. Nobody tweeted him. Nobody sent him a Facebook message. There was something in him that said, whoever that is has the key to my deliverance. And with whatever humanity he had left, he took off in the direction of this man and fell at his feet. And with the last bit of strength, he worshiped before the demons cried out. But that was the key. He had one last worship. And he pointed his worship bullet in the direction of the king. And then Jesus went to work and he said, what's your name? I'm Legion. Get out and leave this man alone. And here, this man who didn't know who he was, it was the demons that said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Why did Jesus go to the region of the Gadarenes, which translates reward at the end? Because this man was at the end of his rope. And how many people know Jesus still comes to you when you're at the end of your rope, when all hope is lost, when everyone else has given up on you, Jesus will come and look for you. He will leave the crowd to find one. Jesus didn't come to cast out 2,000 demons. He came to free one worshiper. The power of one last worship is the power of intimate relationship. The man didn't know who he was, but the demon said his name, and the man inside says, so that's his name. Because all you got to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you shall be saved. So the man heard the name because the demons gave it to him. Let me give you a prophetic celebration moment. The enemy that's been messing with you and keeping you in bondage, Jesus has just given you freedom, and the enemy is going to give you the key to your deliverance. The devil messed up and gave the man the name name he needed to get free and so God is about to free you and everything that's kept you in bondage is going to have to let you go here is a man as broken as any man ever was the Bible says after it was over he was sitting clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid how come they weren't afraid when he had demons how come they weren't afraid when he was in bondage Maybe it's because they liked him better when he was broken. Some people like you better when you're struggling. They're just going to have to get over it because you are free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And you're about to live the life that God intended for you to live. This church is rooted in the word, strong in worship. But if you ever find yourself at the end, I encourage you to blurt it out, shout it out, scream out one last worship. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this church and I thank you for the heart of these people and I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will ignite a passion in us and that you would spark a flame in us unlike anything we've ever experienced and I pray that your will would be established in the hearts of your people and I thank you that my worship can break chains that my worry never could. I love, we love, and honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Gateway. Thank you so much.